purest victory was the Christian cult. You know, um, where we're at. And what the Lord has spoken to me over these last few days. I said a while ago, okay, what we're about to see is the beginning of Christian cults. I said this recently. Anybody remember that? see this really on the land, things are going to offer. Because what's happening in the physical is happening in the spiritual. And because of this land, we're seeing now things really start to look good. You're going to see it then, and things that are going to happen, happen very physically. There's going to be an acceleration. And Richard rang me up yesterday, and uh, we were having a little chat, and he said, uh, Andy, I think, I think we should show Brother Stanley's last talk in, in Jerusalem. Welcome back to Scotland, <coughs> where he talks quite extensively about martyrdom. And I said, Richard, if we spoke, if we showed that here, we wouldn't have a church, <laughs> um, because it's really straight down the line. So I, I just want, for those that really want to know what it's all about, uh, please go on YouTube. I think this is the only one that's uploaded there at the moment. It's going to maybe take you down to me, but it will be available later on.
now from Revelation 3, from now on, we don't see the church mentioned again. We don't see this mentioned again. What we do see is a multitude. We can't now speak of that again and repeatedly as a congregation. We can't do it. But then it has these words. After these things. Now when you go back into the original Greek, it's metatarta. It's metatarta. And basically metatarta means after these things, it's a marker. It's a marker. Watch what happens now. Mark this down. After these things, it's a marker for you. So we've got to pay attention to what's happened, happened, and what is about to happen. And it picks up with the next picture that we have to see Jesus in his glory, to see the Lamb who was slain today. He is the only one worthy to break open the seal and all of that that takes place. And uh, so, but this metatarsa, the marker, and what is the marker? This is where I get excited. I have to really tone it down. I get really excited because it's a marker for me. It's a greed of people. And I haven't seen as clear as it is through doing this study this week, preparing these talks. It is just so there. It's a marker for you and me. Because it is about a body of people that are about to arise and shine with the brilliance of Jesus like never before. I get excited. I get really excited because we're going to have so much to see for the next hour because it's Christ in us and Him through us. But if you have a look at these things, because it's talking about a group, and when you have a look at the parallels of the book of Ruth, you see it all there. You see the whole of these next few years that we're going to see unfold in the book of Ruth. Because what do we see in the book of Ruth? You see Boaz. What does Boaz represent? It's the king redeemer. It's, it's, it's the, the kinsman, redeemer, it's the Lord of the harvest. Because Boaz sowed the seed, and there was harvest that comes from it. So it's the king of the harvest, it's the king redeemer, it's Jesus. And then we have Naomi. What does Naomi represent? Israel. She represents Israel. But what does Paul, Ruth, represent? The Gentile bride. <laughs> That's you and me, together. So all this replacement theology is chucked out the window because you can't ignore these words. This replacement theology that says that the Gentiles will replace Israel. You can't do it. It's not biblical. It's not scriptural. Because when you have a look at that, it's all anti-Semitic. Because now in the book of Revelation, we're going to go into a whole new language that isn't Gentile language. It's Jewish language. It's Jewish language. And we're going to see patterns that are very Jewish, start arising now. But the whole story is about a Gentile bride getting prepared by a group of people for a marriage. You and me. How many people have said the book of Revelation is just for marriage? It's literal. It's literal. But I'm going to prove it by using the Word of God. Because this is God's plan to redeem the earth back to a body of people, to how it was first created, so that we can walk with God and talk with God and see God face to face. I want to do that. I want to do that now. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon what? His beauty. So when we sing, you are worthy of it all, 
I get excited because He is. He is worthy of it all. He is worthy of everything. We as Christians cannot have a bad day because He paid for it all. He set us free. When we have our focus on Him, we are set free. You cannot be Don't be careful. You can't have a bad day. You can't have a bad day because He paid for it all. He set us free. We, 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 I, oh yeah, I, yeah, I'm not saying that we've, we've, we've walked through this life and everything's hunky-dory. We've got challenges. You've got challenges here. I know some of your challenges that you're going through. But when you focus on Jesus, he paid for all. He paid for all. And, and, and guess what? I don't need Heidi to tell me that I'm loved. I already know I'm loved. I'm loved by him. For he first loved me. And my response is to love him back. I'm a lover. Because I'm greatly loved. And I, you know, and when I, Heidi and I were just talking last night after the service, where we were just because we saw a lot of people we haven't seen for a long time. You know, and these are people that left us. There's no harm on the best for them. I don't cry because they left us and have a pity party. I want the best for them. I cry for them now because I want them to have what you and I have got, a deep, passionate love for the Lord that has set us free. I literally cried. I started crying with, with a, a lady that was there at Joshua's birth, Kay. And I started crying for these people. I said, they're not on fire anymore, but we've got a, a bunch of people at Bushfire that are on fire. Are you on fire? Absolutely. We're on fire. But what we're going to see now is a small escalation of events. But it's an order of events because a God's redemptive plan through you and me to prepare the bride. That's it in a nutshell. And so, what we're going to see now happening, and I believe now is a critical time, that we're going to see an order of the events that we've already studied in the book of Daniel. We're about to enter in to the final week. entering into 7.15. This is God's time plan. There is a clock about to stop and there's a clock about to start. And what it is is that when the Gentiles come together, and then it's God's plan for Jesus to come out of Israel at that point. Because what we're about to you know, enter into is we're about to enter into a three and a half year period where there's going to be some false peace. Where there's going to be sort of like a false peace. There's going to be a false peace. And then we're going to have a forced um, covenant to recognize a forced covenant uh, that has been signed. And then we're going to start seeing, you know, um, the abomination that causes desolation bang right in the three and a half years. And then we go into the great tribulation. And then we're going to see Jesus come back. He's going to marry his bride. We're going to see a new Jerusalem descend out of the heavens. And God's going to revive his people. And we've got a privilege. The privilege is to look at this. Psalm 91 is the title of a walk in this area. It's going to be a walk in this area. And without a believer, it's going to be a bunch of people that are going to walk through this. And you're going to have every house around you knocked down, whatever, but it won't come to an end. And people, the Gentiles, the people, the Israelis, all these people will flock to hear this because they're going to walk through this. That's what the Bible says. That's what Adam did. That's what the Bible says. When, even though we're in Isaiah 30, verse 25, 
to go on to convert some hearts to verse 38 and verse 38 he says the Gentiles will be excluded from this land Samuel Samuel 11 verse 32 we're about to see that in the second part of that verse it says for those that know their God shall be more So we're about to see the second coming in our time now. I totally believe that. Because now we're going from chapter 6 to chapter 19. We're going to see the seven-year period from chapter 6 to chapter 19 played out. These are the last days of the church. And I believe we're about to see it. In fact, I know we're about to see it. These are important truths that I've shared with us that are required for us to know what about it. Because why? Because God is preparing a people to do that. He is preparing a people. And it says it here as we go on. For it says, listen, when it says these things, Jesus said these words. So when Jesus says these words, we have to pay attention. Yeah? Jesus says this. For them, there will be, sorry, Matthew 24, verse 21. Matthew 24, verse 21. It says these things. Now, these are the words of Jesus. All right? So I'm coming from the Bible. Absolutely. For them, there will be a great tribulation. Because the disciples have come up and they've said to Jesus, these words have come out. We've, we've got to do this. We've got to do this. But I, 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 certainly, I've never seen this. I've read this scripture hundreds of times. Such has never been seen since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. We're about to see events come on this earth that's never been seen before. But I've studied the first century. I've studied the second century. I've looked at the, the material
all the land. What land? Israel. Talking about Israel. This is Zechariah talking about Israel. Two-thirds in it shall be cut off and die. One-third died in the Holocaust. The Jews in the, in the camps, in the concentration camps. But what Zechariah is saying to us here is two-thirds will be cut off. Two-thirds of the Jewish people will be killed. Two in every three of the Israelites. sitting there in the back of the taxi with a lovely uh, taxi driver called Benji and he actually talked to us about this and Paul was talking to us here Paul knows Jesus he knew Jesus he was a believer not a Christian who believed in Jesus but I'm thinking he's believing that he died that he took that he died he took our sins he was beaten on the cross and he paid it dear and it says I'll bring one third through the fire silver and precious and test them as gold is tested then they will call upon my name and I will say this is my people and each one will say the Lord our God so we're about to enter into judgment we're entering into judgment and we're about to they're going to go through again to my presence till they acknowledge their offense then they will seek my face in their affliction they will earnestly seek me it's a whole thing to take Israel to bring back the exile it's a whole thing to take Israel to bring the people turn back to God and say I'm sorry and turn back to God and we help we absolutely help so sequence of events is going to happen. We're going to go into the tribulation, then we'll go into the great tribulation. And at the great tribulation, those seals, have those seals been broken? Absolutely. Andrew and I went into Holocaust in 1977 and the breaking of the, the fifth seal and pulling down the marker because it starts to increase. It really escalates in September. so much love and so much light that when this war gets started we have the answer which is Jesus and if we lose our lives for him we go to hell we go to hell now I don't know I'm, I have to trust God in my, in my family Zariah felt like he was so and, and I stood there in the church and Heidi had said during the night Heidi was doing the reading and before it was I want to be here before I did I want to Biblically to get excited, it's biblical to get down in worship and pray 
It's biblical. We are allowed to get excited because David tore his clothes off and got excited. Don't recommend it. But some of you are already half clothed anyway. Do you know? You know what I mean? So listen, folks. We're about to see the seven seals. They've already been broken. And when you have a look at the scroll, it's not a book. It's a scroll. And there's writing on the front and there's writing on the back. The writing on the front is the covenant. The whole scroll is a covenant with a bunch of people. And God says, when you see these things happen, right, I've got a bottle of people that I've prepared for you. So here we go. We have the seven seals that then usher in the seven trumpets and the seven bowls being poured out. There's, there's a pattern. Seven. Seven things. There's a pattern there. And every human has a pattern. Because it's in their life. They receive a pattern of birth. And in, in chapter 16, all of this is over. See, a new covenant is the Lord's Supper. It's the day of the Lord. And do you know what? The day of the Lord is, is, is mentioned 20 times in every day of the week. Day of the Lord. This is not a Sunday. This is not Christians celebrating the day of the Lord on Sunday. It's an event in the future where my brothers and sisters, as John was understood on the day of the Lord, it's an event in the future that all the, the, in these eight books of the Old Testament, there's 20 times it's mentioned. No, serious, this event happened. This was sometimes it's the great register of an event. You know, and it's an event. It's, and it's mentioned three times in the New Testament. Twice in the book of Revelation. Very Jewish, the book of Revelation, the New Testament. Jew, all of it. So, what is this pattern? Is what? Is that the seven seals? Yeah. This is the seven seals that are about to fall. And this hepatic structure is basically there is an interruption from the sixth to the seventh. And we see between the sixth seal and the seventh seal a pattern, a, a pattern now coming into place. What happens between the sixth and the seventh? The fourth trumpet is blown. Trumpet. Then, just between those two, we see now the trumpet's been blown. And if you have a look here, between the sixth trumpet and the seventh trumpet, this hepatic structure comes into play. What happens then? Well, we see the bowls. The bowls are lost. Jesus spilled it out. And then, there's a stick there. There's a structure to this. And God wants us to pay very special attention to the structure of what is happening. So, in the end of chapter 6, when it ends with, who will be able to stand? And chapter 7 of Revelation chapter 6, the end of Revelation, says at the end of that, who will be able to stand? And from now on, we see who's going to stand. Who follows him? And chapter 7 breaks into two parts. And this is where it will get really exciting. So, um, so we see a group of signs that are mentioned in Matthew, in Luke, and in Revelation. And the whole group of signs are Matthew 24, Luke 21, and Revelation 6. They are literally side by side. Every one of them is mentioned. Jesus mentions it, and Matthew reports about it, and Luke reports about it. But you can put these two, three books side by side. And it's a pattern. 
So here we are in chapter 7, verse 1. You've got your Bible, turn with me. After this, Second John, verse 1 to 3. Right? Remember that word I used? After this? After what? After these things have taken place, the greater thing has come to pass. This is verse 2. So now he says, after you've seen these things starting to happen, I saw this. It says, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or on the sea, and they came to be. Then I saw another angel coming from the east, having the seal of the living God, and praying him, having the sword in his hand. I had this sword, for I felt a burning on my forehead over the last two years. This is what's been happening. Over the last two years, people have been seeing God has put his seal on their foreheads. How do you experience that? Why? Because you know you've got one. Right? Parents, I, and I, now, do you know whether you've got that feeling? Absolutely. Can I tell you why? Because you sat in a room with God. You sat in a room where, where you will have more knowledge of this and more revelation about what is coming in the spirit and the depths than most of the children in this room. says in Revelation 21, verse 4, blessed are those who are hearing these things, or read them. Who's hearing the words? So, having the seal of their living God, he called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the land and the sea. Do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we've got a seal on their foreheads, on the servants of our God. Then I heard the number who were sealed, 144,000 from all the twelve tribes of Israel. So here we have, from the tribes of Israel, 12 times 12, 144,000. This is literal. This isn't symbolic. This is literal. There will literally be 144,000 people arising out of Israel with the seal of God on their foreheads. Some have come from Jacob, some have come from Isaac, some have come down through Adam. And here are the 12 tribes. So Abraham, Ishmael, Isaac, Jacob, Abraham, Ishmael. So we've got 12 tribes here. But this is the 12 tribes mentioned in Genesis. But this Study, I'd like to study the answer to that. So, the 
there is a list going around in the church about the 12 and 10 lost tribes of Israel. The 12 and 10 lost tribes of Israel that were on people's radar. And when I had a look at the whole thing of, of where had these 10 lost tribes of the people gone, it's not even biblical. I came around to the conclusion, having looking at the word, having a look at this, that it's not biblical. There aren't 10 lost tribes. And I can prove it by the word. You know, there aren't lost tribes. They're all there. They're all there. And so God is sealing in verses 1 to 8 a, a mark of people, 144,000 from the 12 tribes of Israel. They're saved servants, but the result they are the people group. This, this is just something that is incredible. We're, we're having the power of the Holy Spirit come on the church. We've already started it. God, God is not, is not, I'm not waiting for God to pour out on his people. I'm waiting for me to pour out on my people. He's waiting, sorry, he's waiting for me to pour out on my people. And it's going to be people, not with the seven spirits of God going before us. They will follow us. What will proceed out of us is the mighty sent me on everything that I preached on in Israel, this whole thing of this 144,000 have been in me for over two years. Why has it been in me? Because I was one day in my house just meditating and praying to God, God, why are you showing me this? Or are you showing me this? Are you, is this from you, God? I was asking all these questions. Is this from you? And then the Lord came to me. And I'm sat in my front room in my living room, and the Lord starts unpacking three hours. And those three hours disappeared like a bag of chips. I couldn't believe it. I haven't even asked God what he wants me to do with this. So I was just meditating, just praying, just crying out to God, God, I don't want to preach this message because this is not you. So what I'm sharing with you is not the entirety of it, but part of it. So, then, before going to Israel, my physical eyes before me. And the vision was Elijah sat in a cave having a cooking pot. And I, the only one, I, the only one, then Sadhu brings a teaching out of this. The very experience I had, Sadhu brings a whole teaching of what I saw in the vision. He was having a cooking pot. Is it only me? Is it only me? Is it only me? And then God, I heard God's voice in this vision. And he said to me, no, there are 7,000 disciples. Seven thousand, eight thousand, eight thousand. I said, 
what happened was that the northern kingdom, they turned away from Yahweh and they started worshipping idols. Now there were some groups of those tribes in the north kingdom that didn't want to follow these gods, didn't want to follow Baal, they left the northern kingdom and came south. So we have now an intermingling of tribes. And then there were some from the south, why I have got no idea, that, that left the south to go and join the north because they wanted to worship Yahweh. Dan being one of them. I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute. So we have an intermingling. But what Nebuchadnezzar had was whenever he captured nations, he would allow nations to mingle with other nations. So it would cause no revolt. You know, they, they, they had struggles among themselves about it. So what we now see around Nebuchadnezzar's time was the 12 tribes, the, the, the tribes grew up in the north. Nebuchadnezzar conquered the Assyrians, brought all those captured people back to Babylon, and he then conquered the south. So you've got the other way around. South first, and then the Assyrians. So now we're seeing all the 12 tribes of Israel co-mingling in Babylon. They co-mingled. They, 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 they came together in one. And from this time forward, we now see Israel, the house of Jacob, and the Jews being named. And they're all interchangeable. The Jewish word never came out of the house of Israel. Never. Never came out of Judah. It comes out of, I'll, I'll slow down. You see, in Chronicles 2, 2 Chronicles 11, God looked upon all of this unity, seeing all Israel in, Be- in Judah and Benjamin. So now we see the prophets now forward. You see Jew means Israel, but you see Israel means house of Jacob. It's all intermingling now from this day forward, from the whole thing of Babylon. So when you see um, Ezra calling out for the remnant to return, he didn't say to the Israeli people, he called them the Jews. This is a new word now that come, comes out all around this time. So when Ezra is calling all the remnant to come back, by the way, how do we think of that? Running about to uh, have the whole of the Israeli people come back. That's going to keep happening. The moment they get fingered together, because you don't want your uh, arrangements to overtake the Babylon. That's the sixth time it's happened. So the remnant comes back and they say, Babylon has fallen. Has been fallen. So, everything now, Jews, Jew, Israeli, all intermingled. Israel is mentioned by uh, Ezra 40 times. And he speaks of also the whole of Israel, not all of Israel. Nehemiah calls them Jews 11 times and 22 times calls them Israel. So now we see that the, the prophets calling Jews. So whenever you see it from, from after Babylon, right way forward, Jew, Israel is called the same thing. Uh, Nehemiah in Numbers 12 speaks of all Israel being back in their land. But as I said, there's a, uh, there's a remnant of the people. That remnant of the people is starts calling them all by these names because they're all the same. And then we see 
um, in James 1, he's speaking in light of his letter to the 12 tribes of Israel. And those periods come to pass. It's always the case for the 12 tribes of Israel. So you remember... Um,
refused to get out of their ships to fight the battle. So Deborah calls in a bunch of help. You know, once the Chaldeans fight there, they stay on their ships whilst the other 12 tribes, the other 11 tribes, fought the fight from Jericho. Dan stayed on his ships. What else did Dan do? Well, Dan became quite seafaring. And this was, I always thought this was a myth. Dan were very seafaring. And they, they, but they refused to get off their ships. But a lot of them came from Europe. They came into most parts of Europe. You will see the Vikings came from this part, part of Europe there. And so, so kind of, we, we, you know, I'm not trying to pick on Britain here, but you could say from the Britons came from this part of there. Because they populated it. You know, where you have the Viking settlements and Viking invasions. A lot of it came from this part of there. They were seafaring people. But, Dan has omitted from the genealogy in 1 Chronicles chapter 1 to 11. Have you missed it? Chapters 1 to 11. So this could be a major myth. So Dan's missing. But also we see Dan missing here. Um, but we also see in Amos 8 verse 14 that the tribe of Dan were never wiped out. So what happened to Dan? Well basically that tribe entered into a land that they thought was their own. Idolatry. We see this in Leviticus 24 and we see it in the book of Judges 18. They brought idolatry into the land and God was not happy with them. Then Dan became um, and promoted um, a leader called Jeroboam into the prophetess. Uh, and, and they followed him and, and, and went under Jeroboam and he became like uh, good man, he was great. And that's in one king. And then a hundred years later, they also support another king in two kings in apostasy. So Dan isn't heading a very good place. And then we see that Dan is cursed by Jeremiah in chapter 8, verse 16. And then Dan is also called by Jeremiah the voice of calamity. So you can see Dan is not a very good tribe. They're, 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 not, they're not doing very well. And, uh, but they're not sealed. But we see them still there at the end. If you look at the thousand-year reign, Dan's there. Dan is there, but they're not sealed. They're not sealed. They, they'll, they'll get through this, but only just. Fire will come. And uh, um, if you have a look at in, sorry, I should say in Revelation, in, in Ezekiel 48, verse 1, they inherit the land of the thousand-year reign. So Dan is there at the end. And then, if you have a look here, Because here we have two tribes. But Ephraim, Ephraim, has been hidden. Where have they been hidden? Well, you've got Joseph, your pupils, here. And from there, attached here, is Ephraim. So inside this tribe is the tribe of Ephraim. Also, no, sorry, it's not in, it's called Joseph. It's 
not end here. Ephraim is in good charge of Goshen. Right? So with these two that are mentioned, I'm thinking you have to actually also mention here Goshen, because Ephraim, Ephraim, is in Goshen. So all the 12 tribes mentioned in Genesis is mentioned here. In Revelation 12. They're all there. sealed. And what they sealed, of course, was them. Are you ready? I have to explain that because it's really pivotal in what I'm going to about next week. After this, verse, verse 9 of chapter 10. After this, there it goes again. There's that word again. After this, after what? After I put my seal on the 12 tribes. After this, there's an event. And it's pointing to what? this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. John is seeing, after the great tribulation, after the time of Jesus' return, he is now seeing this massive multitude of people from every nation, every tribe, people and language standing before the throne of God, before the Lamb. And they were wearing white, white robes, they were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried see, the 24 elders, they sang a song. But this group of people cry out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. You see, who are these people? These people have come out of what preceded the 12 tribes. And this one succeeded and they beautifully dance their way out. This is the result scholars believe, and I take belief in this. Before the great tribulation, we see millions of people come, come to know the Lord Jesus. In the great tribulation, we're going to see millions of people come to know the Lord Jesus. In the great persecution, people are going to rise their way. And this is what John is seeing. He's not seeing the ones that have been saved before, because they're already saved. He's seeing this multitude from the great tribulation. How do we know? Because all the angels standing around the throne, around the elders, before the people cried out their faith, before the throne rules, the kings are saying, Amen, praise and glory, Lord, we thank you, Father, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right now, right now. This is good, right? But what John is seeing here is this. Thank you. 
during that trip, the first, the eldest, 24 elders, they were very upset that John Sheen, our mentor, they were one of the people and they stood for him and not for his dead wife or dead relatives. So they were one of the people. Reason why first, who are they? The elders asked him, John, have you met them? They were nice people. The elders walked up, John, who are these people? And John goes, I don't know, you know. <laughs> That's what he said to them. Sir, you know, I don't know. And he says, these have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God to serve him all day and every night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them forever. This is the multitude of people. And it's going to come in great judgment. And we're going to weep. This is our time. This is Jesus' last day. This is what I want you to do. Now, I want you to do this. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor will any heat on them. This is right at the end. And this is what I love. This is what he's thinking of. This is what he's saying to them here. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. Right? And he led them to springs of living water, and he will lead them to springs of living water. And hearing all this, what joy the bride will wipe their tears away. Talk about some joy. So why is God now wiping tears from his eyes? Well, I'll tell you. They've come out of the great tribulation. I've said to the Lord, well, Lord, why are we seeing this? Why are they crying? Do you know what the Lord spoke to me? He said these words. He just basically, I, I, I want you to know this. There are people that have, how do I say it? Um, they, they're weeping over lost opportunities. If only I'd done this. If only I'd done that. If I'd done more, then I could have secured this. If I'd only, and they're weeping because of lost opportunities. This is what I felt the Lord say to me about these people. They're weeping because it says that, you know, why is it time again that, that there's a wiping of tears from their eyes when they're, when they're in heaven? Because a lot of Christians are going to realize they only had one chance to live for him. shown this false prophet of Israel and I will preach on this publicly in my life and I just ask you this I just want to say these things just turn to chapter 14 it says the lamb and the 144,000 Revelation 14 and I, and I I absolutely strongly feel that the Lord spoke to me that I could do this certain amount of confidence to a lot of you. Then I looked, verse 1, then I looked, 
and behold, a ram standing on Mount Moriah, and with him were 144 elders, having their father's names on their foreheads. Now those sit at the right hand of the seven. And I heard a voice from heaven, like the voice of many waters, and like the voice of a, of a loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpers playing their harps. They sang as it were a new song. We see here that Jesus is described as the shepherd. And that we were to produce a new way of doing things. And no, uh, before the throne, before the falling of the, the elders, no one could learn that song except for the people. The 144,000 who are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. They're not redeemed from their sins. They're redeemed from the curse. And whenever there is a pattern of God mentioning something twice, you find an answer in the scripture. If you go on, these are the ones who have not defiled, were not defiled with women, they are virgins. I had somebody write me to say, or put a comment, um, when I touched on this more recently, and they said, well, they counted because it said they're going to be people who haven't had sex. If you miss the point, what it's saying here is they're saved. This is a, 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 a pattern that occurs. When you see virgins, like the five wives and five foolish virgins, they're all saved. But Paul is talking about something special. He's talking about their attitude towards God, their, their conduct, their, their redeeming. And then it says this, these are the ones that follow the Lamb wherever they go. They were redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Being firstborn. Remember when I mentioned just a moment before about firstborn? This word firstborn, there are two groups of 144,000. There's one group that believe that they are redeemed. There's another group that believe they are not Because they missed the revelation of the redemptive plan of God and they turned back and they turned back to their sins. And in their mouth was found no deceit and they were not at fault because of their
I, I, I have to meet you fairly early because most people can't put up with it. They think I'm either play acting. This isn't a play acting. I'm, I'm in love. I'm a lover. I am in love with this. And I can't wait to get into this play. I'm going to get up there. I'm going to finish this race. Then I'm going to sit down and just enjoy it because seek first the kingdom. Seek first Jesus. Just seek him first. Put him first in your life. Your children, your husband, your wife, whoever it is, cannot come first. Jesus comes first. Everything that I do this is what I want you to do. I want you to study this with God. Because you will see parallels in the book of Joshua and the book of Revelation. There are amazing parallels. Here are a few of them. Jesus and Joshua, same Lord and Savior. Joshua, Jesus. And we have a military commander being Joshua, usurping and conquering and usurping the title of King of Israel. Get back to in Revelation chapter one and verse ten, verse fourteen. This is Jesus. This is seven year campaign. Joshua has a seven year campaign to try to get the usurper out, and the usurper also answers to a person that he believes is heaven. That's where we are today, isn't it? Anyone know another one? Good. In this time, the Torah and all of the customs of the Jews within. Um, the city of Jericho were all thrown out. If you read the Torah or the, or the, the Coptic, all of it was thrown completely thrown out in the same way that it would be thrown out of Babylon. Because it was a revelation. Um, how many books of Joshua so far have been thrown out? How many books, how many um, Bibles have been thrown out? Well, there's seeing a, a pattern. Why? There's a pattern of Jewish events. How many trumpets sound in Israel in the book of Joshua? Seven. How many trumpets sound when Joshua gets up? Seven. Do you see this pattern emerging? What preceded the Pentateuch? The most destructive pattern of all. Lies. Half-lies, half-truths. Devotion. Enemies led. see that there are signs in the heavens that point us to where Joshua is going to be. Just think about that. The war of Israel is now over. And now the new covenant that Moses is going to bring. And I just want to address the question of who is going to be faithful to the word of God? Who's going to be faithful to the word of God? Most of the time when
that may be serving you and you love you back this day, Lord. So Lord, we're asking you today, to help us and help us and help us. We pray those idols that are killed. May we be food lovers of the bride, Lord. May we be food, may the bride be the lucky bride, Lord. Lord, may we be the lovers of Jesus. Help us, I pray. We fill us up with your Holy Spirit. Fill us up with your Holy Spirit that we may run that race with you, Lord. Remember when we're feeling tired and we just think we can't go anymore. You just be refreshed, that living water. Fill us today with that living water. You said in your word that when we're filled with that living water, we're not going to die. So fill us up with that living water. Those who are weary, may we be filled up with that living water again, that we would be filled with love of you, Lord. Be filled with the gift of your word. To be filled with the Ephesians tree and all that you ask us to do. Lord, may we simply be blessed and that we don't go on a downward high day today. You say, you just see those bright morning stars and just say, lovely, so lovely the fact that they just love us and love us and love us. May we just be those lovers of you, Lord. Those bright morning stars that just look down from heaven and say, they are mine. They are my beloved. They are my beloved. Because they will love you just as you love them. So Lord, may we be faithful to you today. May we just stand up, we're going to receive something of the Lord. He's going to put a mark on our forehead. We are sealing us for this time to be loved. So as we sing this song, you can't, you know, some of you are going to feel a burden on you. Some of you might not feel anything. But God has said to me, he is marking every one of you. He is marking every one of you. And he does not want to lose one of you. So thank you, Jesus. We sing this song. And this will lead to a new mountain. Because it's about to release a new mountain. We're about to see the fullness of the earth being released.